Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I'm glad to be at church today. I need a little help preaching, if you wouldn't mind. Sometimes you reap what you sow. <laughs> um, it was one of those weeks, it was a taxing week for us. It was probably a taxing week for you because I just preached about marriage, if you're married. <laughs> it's okay. It's going to get worse. Um, it was one of those nights last night. I, I can remember getting a solid half hour of sleep at least once. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good, right? It could be worse. It's funny, when I come into the house of God, though, I bring everything with me. And I don't want to, like, turn the tap down when uh, I might need the tap turned up, if you know what I mean. So, so help me preach. Normally I have the energy of 15 tickers, and today I only have the energy of 13 tickers. So if I faint and fall off the stage, <laughs> be so kind as to call 911. <laughs> what happened? What caused it? Well, we didn't help Pastor preach. And we're sorry. And it's on us. I'm going to teach maybe a little more than preaching today. Um, would you do me a huge uh, favor, Venue Church? Uh, there's a group of people, I think in Taylor, B.C., that have, um, uh, it's one of those places you go to exercise. Gym. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's called The Shed. And they, every Monday night when the podcast comes up, they go through it with us. So they do some physical push-ups and then some spiritual push-ups at the same time. So give them a huge welcome. Wherever you're joining us from, wherever even in the world that you're joining us from, we're so glad that you do. And we get to walk a few miles with you uh, today. I'm starting a new series called Adulting. It's time. <laughs> it's time. I don't like adulting either, but adulting, and specifically adulting with, uh, with money. Hey, next week we're going to take a break from our a series uh, adulting and we're going to um, baptize some people. So that's going to be incredible. Listen, they're going from a private decision to follow Jesus to a public decision, which means you walk onto a battlefield. And when they do that, those of us who have been there before need to be there and be like, here's how you fight. We got your back. Just do this. Just do this. Don't worry about that. And so be here and support them next week. It's going to be incredible. We also have something, uh, speaking of incredible, um, it's first Wednesday this week, seven o'clock on Wednesday night. I sort of liken first Wednesdays to, um, sometimes I'll take my daughters out when I feel like it's time that I need to have a chat with them and, and I'll take them out and, uh, we'll go for ice cream. First Wednesday nights are like ice cream nights for me. Um, we go for ice cream, but what they don't know is that when we go for ice cream, they do know, but they don't care because they get ice cream. Um, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. A first Wednesday is a night of worship and ministry and prayer. And um, I have a teaching moment that you're not going to want to miss, and I don't think you can maybe afford to miss in your life uh, this week. But when I take my daughters out on dates, first of all, I want to purge them from the thought that they have to date idiots. Yeah, preach it, Pastor. If you see them hanging out with boys, just let me know. Or just... Or just take care of it yourself. That's probably better than I don't know. I'll do you a favor if you have daughters in the future and then nobody can be traced back to what happened. Um, my throat, I'm, I'm trying to work through, make sure I have enough to, to preach with my voice. Have you, has, have you ever wondered if you lose your voice, if that's an answer to prayer for somebody? 
and it might be an answer to prayer for you if I lose my voice, but it would be a little awkward because I was still, I was air singing a little bit this morning just so that I could feel like I was involved a little more, but um, then Anthony, the backup pastor, might have to come up here and yeah. preach. <laughs> um, but this is what we do on date nights. We go out on date nights, we have ice cream, but it's also the time where I feel like when the Holy Spirit is like, hey, you need to talk to one of your daughters about this issue in her life or like give them a place where just where we don't have any secrets between us anymore. And so we get to eat ice cream and then it's a beautiful thing that God will do is that he'll take your life and get you closer together with your father in heaven. But the thing is like, you gotta go to Dairy Queen when the father's at Dairy Queen and it's gonna be Dairy Queen here on uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday night. You just gotta be here because you're not bringing ice cream to your house. Um, <clears throat> hey, listen, the, the, uh, the foundation of this series is something that's harder to quantify and then some of the practical steps that as the series moves along, I'm going to show you how we budget, how we think about maybe going into debt for this or that, or how we spend money, and very practical things I think that will be really good for you. And, and, um, but before we get to that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the character of God and how he thinks and feels about, about money today. Um, and it's not just money, see, uh, it's all connected. It's all connected. When you get this on track, then God can do that in your life. And uh, God is not, sometimes you need an answer in this area of your life, but if you apply the answer that, that, that he, and the teaching and training he's giving you in this area of your life, he has this answer waiting in the wings. And it makes no sense to you, but it doesn't have to. And you can still get a result. And we need to talk about the, the character of God today. There's something that I was thinking about uh, this week that somebody, a friend of mine, said because I was going into a meeting and I was going in a bit naively at the time to that particular meeting, but she said to me, what does the other party want in that meeting that you're going to? And I said, what do you mean, what do they want? They don't want anything. And she said, well, everybody wants something. And it got me thinking, and true enough, in that meeting, I did find out that they did want something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And it's, it's funny that um, in your life and in my life, everybody that you come in contact with wants something. And... I know that you think that you're uh, pure like the Son of God, but you're not. And you also want something from every contact with people that you have. You know, every situation at work, you, there's something that you want out of that and something that they want out of that. And so um, there's a guy named Tim in town here that has an article in the paper, and he wanted to, to interview uh, us, and Anthony uh, knew him. And so Anthony was going to set up an interview, and, but before the interview would happen, I was talking with Anthony and just coaching him a little bit, and I was saying to him, you know, Anthony... I know you, but I don't know this other person here, and he's a great guy, but I, didn't, I hadn't really spent any time with him up till that point, and I said to, to Anthony, I said, can you find out what it is that he wants from this? Where's Anthony? I feel like in the darkness over here. And I said, you know, find out what it is that he wants, ultimately. Like, ask what kind of questions he wants to, you know, ask and things like that. Because I don't want to get caught in some public platform about, you know, some political issue that I don't know anything about. And, like, did you agree with the way that this counselor spent this kind of money? And I'd be like, maybe. I, I don't know. Like, what? No, nobody else. <laughs> so, so I've learned to ask the question, like, okay, what does the other party want out of this thing? What do you want out of that? Um, because I said to Anthony, like, I know you and I trust you and I know that you don't want anything from me but I don't know this other person, and it turns out that the other person didn't want anything from me either, but I had to sort of figure that out just so I know kind of the temperature of the room that I'm going to go into. So here's what I need to say to you is that whether you've thought about that or it's just sitting in your subconscious, you are asking the question on the other side of the table, whatever relationship I'm talking about, 
you are in your subconscious asking yourself, what does the other person want? Because there are two things that they might want. So on the negative side of things, they might want something from you. So I understood industry and business because there were strong personalities and everybody wanted something from your company for nothing. And so I understood that, but with people, it took me a little while to understand this. And then we just transferred that, depending on the home you grew up in and how much suspicion and how many times you've been burned, you start really mistrusting what the other person wants because the other side of wanting something from you is that they might actually want something for you. Want something for you. When I take my daughters out for ice cream, I want something for them, but I'm going to ask them to invest their time and their resources in what would be the best thing for them. But, but also somebody who wants something from you wants you to invest your time and resources. But sometimes we come to church and everybody here has a preconceived idea about how to spend money and save money and give money. And then we come to church, and we actually, it takes quite a lot of nerve to do this, but we actually have the nerve to sit there, and, and we wouldn't say it out loud because we know it's horrible, but we would say, God, what do you want from me? And God's like, what do I want from you? Let's see what it is that you have that I need, which is nothing. Maybe it's that he wants something for you, but see, if your relationship with your dad in particular wasn't good, then that's a hard little mountain that you have to cross. But at least you know now that you have to cross that mountain because God uh, is wanting to invest in you, but are you investable? So it's a crippling mindset because you, you secretly want me to preach about money so that you can tell your spouse when you get home that, see, I'm doing it right, because pastor said but if I disagree with you, you'll go home and you'll have all these reasons why you're not going to do what the Word of God tells us to do. And so, but you've got to start back there. And if you have that thing in your heart and it's hard for you to trust people, I would just encourage you, just open up your heart to God because he has said in the Word of God, I, I think thoughts of good towards you, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. And you're like, and what do you want next? And he's like, to give you a future and a hope. I thought we went over this already. Yeah, but after that, what are you going to ask for? Well, whatever it is, it's to, because I'm thinking thoughts of good towards you. I'm to, to give you a future and hope. And he doesn't quite understand your suspicion because there is in him all the power and confidence in the universe. Now, God wants something for you. So if you don't want it in this uh, series and you don't want to talk about money or be challenged about your preconceived ideas about money or if I don't want to be, God is still going to love me. But he can't do for me what he wants to do for me if I don't right? open myself up to it. Because um, he can only bless you according to his principles and not yours. He can only invest in his own principles, which work, and not yours, which don't. Now, here's my point of view about this. So we're just going to kind of strip this down so I don't have to worry about your feelings once again. I'm going to talk to you like I talk to my kids about it. Because it would be an unusual thing for me to talk to Ailish and for Ailish to be like, what do you want now? And I'll be like, if you invest $10 with me or if you spend it like this or if you do this, then I will double your investment. And she'll be like, what do you want next? <laughs> it would be an unusual thing because we have a good relationship. So what I want to say is no matter what relationships you're coming out of and no matter what sort of suspicious eye you have right now, to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit of God who only wants something for you. God does not want his children begging for bread. In fact, he wants you to have not just enough, but more than enough. 
Now let's talk about the kingdom of earth spending and saving and giving versus the kingdom of heaven because the two are opposed to each other. Matthew chapter 4 says this. Next, the devil. You going to read about the devil? Yeah, real person. Next, the devil took him, Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said. If you will, it's only going to cost you this, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now, let's break this down a little bit here because we have a misconception about money because there are two kingdoms and both of them have money and wealth. God has wealth and the devil has wealth. Right here we see it because the devil takes Jesus onto a high mountain and said, here are the kingdoms of the earth. And you're saying to yourself, because you learned in Sunday school, that the earth belongs to the Lord. Yes, it does, but let me just kind of straighten this out a little bit, because you've been blaming God for sickness and disease and bad things that happen. No, no. See, God gave the stewardship of the earth to Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, through sin, turned around and gave that to the devil. And so in another place, it says that Satan is the god of this world. So the god of this earth. So you have the kingdom of earth. See, how many people know that when the devil is tempting you, he's not tempting you with something that you don't want? That would be a bad temptation. He's tempting you with something you want. Now, you're dumb enough to think that he can give you what you really want, but he can't because all you really want is to be seen and see the Father in heaven. That's what you were made to do deep down. But we got all these other layers we got to get to. Now, here's the thing. If, if the devil is tempting Jesus, how many people know that you couldn't tempt Jesus with what he doesn't want and what you don't have to give? So you might be like, well, yeah, but Jesus already owned that. No, 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 he didn't own the kingdoms of the earth the way that the devil had them. And the only way that God can bring redemption into the world is because he decided to use you. And so you see pockets in the world where redemption is happening and where supply and people are getting fed and, and hospitals and schools and you know what I mean? He uses people to redeem the world because that's how it works. So he gave choice and that's how it works. And so some of us need to go back and apologize for God because God didn't kill your brother and God didn't make somebody sick. That's the kingdom of earth that is not under his domain and he only pulls it back until the last day when every knee will bow and God comes back and takes his own. So, but what we need to understand is that there are two kingdoms here. So the devil is offering Jesus and will offer you in some regard, what God wants to give you. Because didn't Jesus come to get the kingdoms of the world back to the Lord his God? And their glory? Oh, he did. See, it's not just about wealth. You wouldn't want to be rich if all it was was stuff. You like the status, too. And the glory. You want people, because rich people, it seems like when they say something, people listen. They could put you on Shark Tank, and nobody's going to care what you think. You've got no money. But it's this idea of status and wealth and the things that it, it buys you. See, but the devil will offer you a shortcut, a get-rich-quick scheme that bypasses one thing that is of the utmost importance. It will bypass your character. Your character. See, the kingdoms of the earth were going to come to God in his own timing, but listen, God's way and in God's time. The devil will offer you something his way in his time. The, the problem is the right person at the wrong time could still be the wrong person. You have to understand, it is, it's a timing thing. It's a way thing. So if you want to invest in the kingdom of earth, the down payment will always be your character. 
So the devil will offer you pleasure early, and it will cost you your character, and it will cost you pleasure in the end. But the kingdom of heaven is very different. We need to do a character study on God and how he thinks and feels about money in particular, and wealth, because wealth is much more important than just money. But to do this, um, let's break down the word character here. You ready? For this series, this is how I'm defining it. Living in the ways of God and in the winds of God. In the ways of God, give me this now. Stomp, stomp, stomp. And God's like, I would, but I can't. Because you're not ready. Living in the ways of God and in the winds of God. In the ways of God and in the winds of God. If you don't understand God's ways, let me explain this to you. When my children understand my ways, they can anticipate me a little. But it says in the Old Testament that the children of Israel understood only the acts of God. Like, we saw that this is what he did. And, and some of you in the room, you, you only have that much of a relationship with God. Like, I can see what it is that he did. But then it says Moses understood the ways of God. This is the next step for you to take. Meaning Moses could anticipate how God felt and how God thought about things because when you only live your life here, you live a very reactive life. Now, can I preach a couple of minutes here? Listen, if you're lacking peace in your life, you are living a reactive life because in the middle of the storm, Jesus is asleep in the boat because he made the storm and he made the wood that made the boat and he made the men that made the boat out of the wood that he made and he made water and he made the waves and he made the wind and he's not worried about your life but if you're lacking peace right now there is some you're living a reactive life because you're still in a kind of a shallow part of your relationship with God you might understand his ways in some areas of your life but not other areas of your life and this is not just about wealth and money and this is about everything if there's an area of your life where you have no peace right now it's because you are missing something about the character of God and the problem is your character is not aligning to the character of God. Because if it was, you would have peace in the storm. Somehow. It is well with my soul. The origin of that hymn was when a man had lost everything. And he could still write that hymn. Why? Because there was something that was okay with his soul and he wasn't making it up as he went along. He actually got to a place where he was okay. Having lost everything. So, confusion. If your head voices won't shut up, my brain is working all the time. I have to get to a place where my character aligns to the character of God so there can be peace in my brain and it shuts up occasionally and I just live life and smile more and eat more ice cream rather than just my head just going all over and I get confused and I get led down the wrong path. Well, here's the thing. Your current character, so your current character or how well you are living in the ways and winds of God, your current character is the real reason God can't give you more of this kingdom. The devil will offer you this no matter what your character is life because, like, because the down payment is always more of your character. So he doesn't care. He's got enough money to buy your soul or distract you or do whatever with you. But see, God's kingdom and his wealth and his resources, the real reason that he can't give you more is because you're not ready. But if you and I would get ready in this series and get ready by coming to First Wednesday and get ready, see, the worst thing for your soul is for God to give you what your character can't handle. It's the quickest way to destroy your life is to give you that. 
or to give you what you're constantly asking God for when what you want is not what God wants for you. If he gave you what you want, it would be the worst thing for you. It's like your child who never wants to eat oatmeal. Give me cake, give me cake, give me cake. Well, eventually cake becomes the worst thing at 7 in the morning, Grandma? For reals? Ice cream? When the kids get out of bed? The character is bad character, Grandma. When I'm a grandparent, I'm going to spoil the heck out of my grandkids. You have no idea. See, but when God can give you more, but see, your character sometimes thinks that, that the wealth of God is for your own consumption, but it's not. You think that the peace of God is for your own peace, but it's not. When God starts giving you more, he will give you peace as a byproduct and wealth in some regards as a byproduct and quality of life. He will give you these things as a byproduct, but it's not for you. It's for you to share and for you to spread. But here's the thing. Here's what you and I spend most of our, our lives praying for. And most, if you pray, this is what we pray about. God, give me what I don't think I have yet. Give me, give me, dear God, baby Jesus, give me more at Christmas. And we treat God like he's a slot machine that's there to answer all of our requests because we read somewhere that God answers the prayer and gives the people his, yeah, yeah. But we're just constantly asking for his stuff. But the last thing in the world he wants to do is give you more stuff because you're forgetting where it's coming from. So here, here's the thing. You know, when my daughters get married, God forbid that they... But one day, I'll walk them down the aisle. I'll be balling. You'll be there. If they, their boyfriends make the cut. But the last thing I want is for them to get married to somebody whose stuff matters more than they do. I don't want them competing with their husband's car or his golf clubs. Sell the golf clubs. Take my daughter on a vacation somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? But see, if you actually got all the things you were asking God for all the time, then his stuff would become more important than your relationship. That's not what God wants. It's a character thing. So character never, are you ready? It never moves the target to where the arrows are flying. It will never move the target in how you spend money and view that to where the arrows are flying. When you come out of an argument, it never moves the target to what it was that you said. If you were a little too hot about it or if you told a lie, it will never move the target there. So uh, you can tell how bad your character is or how bad the character of the people around you are is when all of a sudden something happens and something surprises them. See, when you can anticipate the ways of God, you're not as, as surprised because when you're just reacting to the acts of God and that's all that you know, all you know is that one plus one equals two, but you don't understand how one plus one works. So the next, you, you memorize... This is why I hated school. I hated biology. It was memorization. Did I understand how anything worked? No. No. I'm too important to do homework. No. But you have to understand that the equation is the ways of God. Like x squared plus whatever the heck that I don't care about. I told my girls the other day, I'm like, I hate to break it to you, but my phone does all the work that you're doing in school right now. Thank you, Jesus, for technology. But you will, if you live only according to the acts of God, please put your kids in school. <laughs> Pastor said, um, when you act according to the, the ways of God and not just the acts of God, what will happen when you're only reacting, uh, according to, uh, acting and reacting according to the acts of God is that the next situation that comes up that's slightly different, you have no template for because you can't memorize it. But somebody who understands how the equation works and how God thinks and feels about it can be like, oh, this is a different person who said something different, but it's the same principle. 
And then you in the storm can be at peace and be like, I know how to work through this now. The ways of God. This is one of the reasons why you need leaders and why you need your church family. Because, man, when you're in the middle of it, you can't see that there's an equation that Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's not worried about it. Then you get mad at Jesus and like, hey, we're perishing. And he's like, what? Oh, ye of little. One plus one equals two. But what does two plus two equal? Jesus who made everything. Relax. Um, here, here's something that character will never do. Character will never ask God to tell you something different than he's already said. So, which means if you found it in the Bible, quit praying about it. You know what he thinks. Right? Well, God, I want you to do this. And I, you know, like, do I really have to get married? Or can we just, like, live together and, you know, test drive the car or whatever the heck people are saying to each other? Do I really have to get married? Well, he's already spoken about it. He's not going to tell you something different. That would make him of little character. Him untrustworthy. Him unfaithful. He knows what he thinks, and he wrote some of it down for you. And so... I know that, but so what happens is you and I start, our, our poor character wants, uh, wants something, and so we start asking, I've done this too, we start asking God for something that he can't give us because of his own character, because it would be harmful or because sin is involved in there. Character also knows this, God doesn't invest more counsel until you've already done the last thing that he told you to do. He's not like your dad, he's not going to forget. Well, why would I give Alish $10 and be like, hey, invest this, and then I come back a week later, and she went to 7-Eleven with it and invested it in Slurpees. Like 400 grams of sugar per <laughs> teaspoon. And that's what she invested it in, and now it's gone. I'd be an idiot if I gave her $20 that week to invest. See, God is waiting for you sometimes to go back and do the last thing that he told you so that he can give you the next thing. But you keep asking for the next thing because you don't want to do the last thing. Well, it's a, it shows a lack of your character. It shows something in you that doesn't really understand how God works because you wouldn't waste your time. My dad, man, once he said something, like he didn't say a lot. Anybody know Pastor Richard? My mom said a lot. My, my dad didn't say a lot. But when he said something, you could move heaven and earth, and he's not going to change his mind. My mom, my mom said one time to me, because I had done a sales pitch about something to her, and it worked. And she's like, well, why don't you ask your father? And I'm like, I'm not going to ask my father. And she goes, well, why? It sounded pretty good. I'm like, because he's not going to go for this. Like, are you kidding me? She's like, oh, it sounded pretty good. <laughs> I'm not calling my mom dumb. Like, oh, my goodness. She's really smart, but she's, you know, she's, good for, she's up for a sales pitch. You know, I could, But Dad, you just walk into the room, and he could tell my, my manner. One time he said no before I even opened my mouth. He's like, no. I'm like, yeah, fair, fair enough. See, God knows your character, but you don't know God's character yet. In fact, you'll live and die and you'll never really understand God's character. So what you have to do is get out of your head that you know everything about God that there is to know because you don't. He is unfathomable. What? Oh my goodness, no, you only see little bits and pieces. He sees you completely, but only when you cross the veil into the next life will you see him completely. So have a little humility when you're dealing with people and money and situations because you don't see everything. You don't know what you understand right now might have been a revelation at one time, but it's just the smallest bit of it. And then five years later, God will be like, oh, there's this other piece here. And you'll be like, oh, they're both true. I just wasn't ready for the, first, for the second one. And then it's called growing up a little bit. But what you do with your resources and your time, what you're doing with whatever's in your hand right now is your current character. So what is preventing God from giving you more of heaven's resources is what you are doing right now with what you have. Because everybody alive 
tries to trick God and say, God, I'm not going to do this right now, but if I had more, then I would. Like, you don't fall for that when your two-year-old tells you that. Well, I would share if I had more than one toy. No, if you don't share with one toy, you won't share with two toys. You have to get it right now, which means God wants to work on our character and deepen us and make us a little more mature so that we could actually handle the more blessing that he really wants to give us. Now, Paul the Apostle, who you may have heard of if it's your first time in church ever, but Paul, I mean, he's pretty famous. He wrote half of the New Testament by the, the grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit. He writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. Now, when he writes to the churches, we've been going through like Corinthians and all of these other things, but when he writes to Timothy, he takes a, a lot of the ice cream out of it and just puts a steak there. And he's like, here, let's save some time. Because there's something that I want you to pick up from his spiritual father's heart because he only wants the best for Timothy. He's been training Timothy in his character, and now he's going to talk about the character of God and how it has to do with wealth because he wants Timothy to get it quick. And so if I'm talking to my daughters, they already know my character. They already have assumed that I want something for them, and so I can say something quick to them. Arwen is our, our first intern at Venue Church, which means she gets to do all the crap jobs because you've got to learn how to serve. But she can anticipate me all, uh, already because she's lived with me a long time, like how he thinks and how he... And so this is what uh, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, Now godliness, he says, Timothy, with contentment is great gain. This kingdom of earth just says, like, money and more money is great gain, or, or money and respect is great gain. But Paul's saying, no, no, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. This is what you need to be going for. Godliness. This is like there are two gods. One rules this one and one rules that one. Pick this one. Alignment to how God thinks and his character about your resources and contentment. This, this word means uh, three things that I found. It means, um, it means contentment. Godliness with satisfaction. Meaning why do you think you would be satisfied with more if you're not satisfied with now? Satisfaction oh, is a heart condition. It's, it's a thankfulness issue. Satisfaction, sufficiency, godliness with, I'll give you more than enough, relax, it will be enough, and competency. Competency. Well, that's your part. Com that's your gift to God. Competency. And he says, for we brought nothing into this world, like you were born naked, naked. And you're going to be buried in a suit, but that's going to eat away after, and you're going to go with nothing. Don't be buried with it. Gino Linetti from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not going to help you. All, it's going, all money, if that's all we're talking about, all money is going to do is give you a false sense of security for your soul and distract your soul, and it won't. It's not going to, no, no, godliness with contentment is great gain. And he says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. This word content means a little bit different than the last uh, contentment. It means content. Be sufficient and strong enough to ward off a thing. So that means there's something here that your heart will be pulled towards, but this kind of contentment, like having food and clothing, like I will be content. My mindset of contentment will fight off the jealousy that comes here, the comparison, the Instagram. The, it'll fight off me looking across the street and wishing I had what they had. The contentment of God will fight against that so that I can actually be at peace with what I do have. 
He says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And it says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So he's talking about money now. He's saying, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It will pierce I might preach about acupuncture next, uh, next time we're together and preaching because I'm scared to death of it. But see, the love of money is like just getting a bunch of needles that aren't helping you. But when God gets control of your resources, then it helps you and you start getting more movement. I should just leave it for that sermon, I think. And I'm starting to feel gross. Jesus says in Matthew 6, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other one. So, so he's saying money is a tool. It's just a thing. You don't worship the tool. But also if you don't know what you're doing, you can chop all your fingers off. You might gain the world and lose your soul. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. See, listen. Didn't it always have to do with worship? The devil's like, hey, Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This kingdom's like, hey, Scott, I'll give you that nice car. I'll give you everything you want. I'll give it to all you. But it, always, it, it will always cost you worship. Then you start worshiping the stuff, and you start worshiping the giver of the stuff. That's not what God wants for you. Money is just a tool. It's not to be worshipped. You worship God. And then uh, Paul goes on to talk to Timothy. He says, a devout life brings wealth. Get that. A devout life brings wealth. Buckle down and get disciplined. Buckle down and find some character. Buckle down and let God speak into your current character. Open your ears to correction. But it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we entered the world penniless and we'll leave it penniless, it's just a different translation. If we have an, enough bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. Listen. Listen. Catch this. Catch this. This kingdom will force you to role-play before God. It's not just money you want, you want status. It will force you to be a certain way with certain people. And this one here is you just get to be you wherever you go, but especially before God. Like, here I am, good, bad, the ugly. Here's who I really am. In the here and now, it will give you the courage to know where your failings are, and be okay with it while God is moving you on. But this world over here, man, you've got to put on this appearance that you know everything, and that's exhausting, that you couldn't possibly be the one making mistakes, that you couldn't, what a hard life this is, but this life, this simplicity, no role-playing before God on people. He says, but if it's only money these leaders are after, they'll self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. And then he says this, and I'm going to say this to you. You take the word Timothy out of here and put your name in here. And it says, but you, Sam, but you, Tyler, but you, Madison, who wore sandals <laughs> in the wintertime because you're crazy. Get that, but you, Timothy, but you. What he's saying is like, look, if everybody else gets this wrong, I don't want my son to get this wrong. And that is what God the Father is saying to you right now, son or daughter of God. If everybody else in the world, if your neighbors all get it wrong, don't you get this wrong because I want something for you. I don't want something from you. 
You, Aaron, you, Corey, you. But you don't get this wrong. But you, man of God, but you, woman of God, run from your life for all, run for your life from all of these things. You need to flee temptation. This is not a kingdom you resist, it's a kingdom you flee. But fleeing this kingdom, you could find yourself in this kingdom. It says you resist the devil, but you flee temptation. Too many of you are trying to resist temptation, and then you end up fleeing the devil. No, no. Flee temptation. Flee role-playing into this life. Pursue a righteous life, being right with God. Can you imagine waking up one day and just being right with God? Your hands are clean, you've confessed your sin, and hey, I'm at peace. Can you? That's what he wants. A life of wonder. What he's saying is, this kingdom won't give it to you. It'll promise it, but it'll cheat you, and you won't get a life of wonder. You can have all the money in the world and not have any wonder. A life of faith, a life of love, a life of, a life of steadiness. Some of y'all are up and down on a roller coaster. Why? Because God is working on your character in this series. When your character is good, you won't be afraid in the boat. And he says, a life of courtesy. I'm a little more please and thank yous, I think, is what we need. Come on. Thank you for dinner. You don't owe it to me. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. And he says, run hard and fast in the faith. Don't get bogged down with all this baggage. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. There's one thing that I want you to do this week, just one little action step before we baptize people, before you come out on First Wednesday, one little action step. I want you to do it every day this week. Do you have five extra minutes in the day? The answer is yes. I want you to, on your way to work, you can do it while you do something else, but just do this and do it for you. Thank you, God, for, and then thank you, God, for, and thank you, God, for, and say it out loud. Thank you, God, for this car that I'm driving to work in. I've been complaining about it, but it's a car, and everybody else in the world is like, you have a car? You have two cars in your family? You're rich. You have food in your fridge? You're rich. You are already wealthy. What? You're in the top percentile of the world, and you think if you had more, you would be rich? You are rich. The problem is, we're not rich with God. The problem is we still don't have any peace because we've been following the wrong kingdom. There's wealth in this kingdom too, but there's quality of life. There's peace for your soul. There's no more role playing. There's just being honest. There's letting God speak to you about you instead of trying to speak to you about everybody else around you because that gets very confusing. Well, at least I don't spend money like, no, no, let's talk about you. But you, Timothy, but you, Elish, but you. Every day I want you to be grateful for like 50 things. Use five minutes. Look at your clock when you're driving where you got nothing else to do. Be grateful, be grateful. It says you enter his courts with thanksgiving. The problem is you're not in his courts because you're not thankful for what he already gave you. And you need to quit asking God for all the stuff you don't have yet because he's already given you this that you didn't say thank you for. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here that we would take this word to heart. Say thank you and be grateful. Some of us are far from the courts of God, but we think if we had more things, it would be easier for us to enter your courts, but we enter through gratefulness and thankfulness, and we thank you, Father, for your word of correction to our souls. I pray that you would work in everybody's character, get us open and, and honest before you, that we would quit casting a suspicious eye on you, Father, or the house of God, or the servants of God, or even our bosses at work, Father. We would just relax a little bit and realize, look, if Jesus is in the boat, we're not going to die. And I pray for a spirit of peace on people this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.